This is a Crib Room Podcast. Bringing you industry news, views and happenings. Well, the Crib Room Podcast has changed significantly. We are no longer in a little dungeon out in West Kalgoorlie. We are on the main street of the gold capital here in Western Australia and we are loving life. Hello and welcome along to another edition of the Crib Room Podcast. And today, we've got a very special guest who's joining us on the balcony, as you can see behind him. It's pretty remarkable in terms of architecture, but so too does he have something that's pretty remarkable as well when it comes to something that's in the field. Math Paul joins us from GMO. Moby Math, welcome along. You're our first guest here on the balcony overlooking the beautiful Hannon Street and on a beautiful day here in Kogli Boulder, mate. Thanks, Glenn, for having me today. And yeah, it, I can confirm that it's really pleasant yeah. out there. Oh, we put the weather on for you today, mate. <laughs> tell, us, tell us, first of all, uh, as people would probably realise from your very first opening words, that uh, you have a nice little accent. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt. Yeah, I'll start today by uh, excusing myself and, and uh, apologising. Excuse my French today if you, if you don't get what I say. Uh, yeah, coming from Normandy, northwest of France originally, but uh, I'm a Trozia got the passports a few years ago. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. Congratulations. Now, tell us about GMOB because we're starting to hear and see more in the gold fields at the moment, but I want to find out, first of all, about the product, how it came about, your relationship with Chris, who's your business partner as well. So, let's go back to the very start. Uh, let's go back, what is it, three years ago or maybe even longer? Uh, about five years ago that okay. uh, I joined uh, GMOB. So, uh the story is that uh, so Justine, my wife, was was actually uh, playing some sports with Chris' wife, and after a few years of Chris asking me to to join the team, after a game of squash that that uh, I uh, very well won against him, he actually never never beat me to date. I think <laughs> uh, taking a shower, I, I actually said yes, and I joined the team. Can I just confirm that? Um the conversation didn't happen in the shower. Did it happen later on? Like the idea was in the shower, is that right? Yeah, no, no. The idea was in the shower, but, uh, but then the conversation Thank happened uh, when we got changed. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Just needed that clarification for purposes. So, so you joined up. What happened then, mate? Because you obviously knew a little bit about Chris and what product he was trying to push at the time, which was to develop a, uh, a, an app at the time to try and get some services being shown that you could use in the outback. Is that right? Yeah, true. So uh, the story about Geomobi uh, started a long time ago, actually. It started back in 2008 when uh, Chris arrived as a backpacker here in Australia. Um, he was backpacking around, and one of the things you've got to do every day, obviously, is to go to the toilets and and also have a shower Yep. Uh, if you're like most human beings. Uh, back in the days, there was no smartphone. There was no nothing like that. So he got and ordered a phone from the US. Uh, he developed an app, which is, you know, his background, uh, telecommunications and communications, mm-hmm. and uh, created an app called Aussie Lose. So whenever you felt like uh, you needed to find a Danny, uh, you just click on screen, say, hey, I'm busting. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, you've got all these restrooms and uh, bathrooms showing up, uh, displaying on, on the map. What you would probably want is instant access if you were busting because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't think of any, any lag on that. And when you've got to load it up and take some time to load, I can just see a yeah, whole Yeah, we lot. actually were close to developing Uber, so <laughs> it <laughs> would have been NG on the oh, back of that. Gee whiz. <laughs> so, so the journey started, obviously... <laughs> In toilets. In toilets. Uh, and then obviously transformed a little bit. I think you went down a bit of a retail sort of path and then realised that maybe maybe mining's a bit more suitable for your particular craft and for your particular journey. Exactly. So 
We're all about location intelligence. So basically being able to use location uh, for different purposes. Um, you know, tracking, tracking assets, the concept of geofencing, GPS tracking, all of that's not new. We didn't create any of that. But we very quickly find out that one of the issues on the market was that um, if you're in the middle of nowhere, you don't have any connections, mm -hmm. you know, GPS not gonna not going to help you. If you're indoor, if you are underground, again, GPS is limited. So we've came up with that vision of uh, being able, using all these different technologies, GPS, Bluetooth, IoT, Wi-Fi, 2 to 5G, uh, to continuously uh, provide whoever needed with information about location. Uh, we started working in the retail space, but then we thought that really wasn't fitting with what we wanted to do. So uh, we looked at our own backyard. Uh, so born and bred in Perth, our own backyard is, you know, mining, yep. mining related services. So we started working with a number of companies in the Peterborough and, and yeah, more lately in the gold fields. And so those services for the mining industry, what do they entail? Because we'll come in to have a look at your product. You've got some to show us in just a few minutes, which work really well on a podcast, but you'll be happy to know there's a video yeah. that goes with it as well. <laughs> um, so, so getting that into mines and what sort of features yeah. are needed on the mine site that you could provide from GMOB? Yeah, so because we understand that location and, the, and that context, um, first we've got uh, an underground solution. So, as you know, many operations are small to medium-sized operations. They cannot really afford having um, backbone Wi-Fi installed or heavy infrastructure. So we decided to come up with a communication systems that's uh, cable-free, so peer-to-peer -peer communication network, uh, giving back eyes and ears mm -hmm. to operators. So, as you, you very well know, most operations, uh, they don't know where people are underground, yep. which for health and safety reasons is very dangerous. Something happens in the mine sites, underground, you just don't know where, where people are. So you need to be able to send and dispatch an emergency response team that's going to go and, and very accurately um, intervene and help the people. So that's one of the, our strong cases. Uh, Real-time communication through that underground network is another strong use case for our clients and the ability to view in real time where trucks are so a bit of a tra traffic management tool understanding how much resource so tons are coming up uh, where trucks are going where people are going trying to understand um, how is the atmosphere in terms of gas and many other sensors we put on the ground in terms of sensors that's quite interesting because obviously there's areas underground which you don't want your, your people to go to, so you can block people from going there, not physically, but through a... Correct, a, a, through geofencing. Geofencing, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, voids and all that sort of stuff underground, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, but sensors, what sort of sensors would you have access to underground? CO2, would you have access yeah. to um, sensors that... Vibration sensors, what sort of things have you got? You got it. Uh, right. Vibration, temperature, pressure... So gas uh, entering the vent is on, turning off, yep. and, and on the vent in areas where we actually don't need it to work. Um, so all of that. So the sensors, as long as there is a, a Bluetooth module sure. on it, 
then we can relay that information back in real time. So 4G, 5G, whatever, doesn't really matter because you use a different technology, don't you? It's Bluetooth technology and location-based? For, for the underground yeah. space, yes. So what sort of range do you have on that? So in straight line, yep. uh, we are achieving 250 meters. 250 from meters, a yeah. box to another one. Yep. Uh, but that's... Do we think we're gonna, we can achieve 350 to 400? We just haven't had the opportunity to try that yet. Sure. Um, in, in corners and things like that, if you want um, optimized view on what's going on and continuous view, it'd be more like 60, 80 meters. And location services and using location services is not a new thing. There was a COVID app that was around, you know, when COVID first came through the federal government, which was based on Bluetooth and based on whether or not you'd been in different areas with people who had COVID. Yeah. So, so COVID, I suppose, helped bring the product along. Is, is, that, is it, that fair to say? Or is that a bit more of a, a way that you're able to connect with some of the people that you've been talking to, some of these mining companies, say, hang on a minute, this sort of stuff that we had during COVID... We can actually use it for your underground mine. Exactly right. We've got uh, part of one of our features is contact tracing. Sure. Underground or on surface or wherever, uh, in a nudge in like seconds, you display on the map who's been in contact with whom, how long, who are the indirect contacts as well. So you don't na- you don't need to manually contact trace anyone, and it shows the locations. As you know, mm. Omicron stays for days on surfaces. Yep. There are many systems out there, like what the government released a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a it's a device-to-device connection. Sure. But if I'm here touching that, that chair for five minutes, two hours, uh, the next person sitting there may not have direct contact with me, but if he touches that, obviously, he may be exposed. So uh, what we've got is very different, and that's something that the government didn't quite get two years ago when we are uh, presenting them the idea. Can you just make sure you sanitise on the way out? <laughs> COVID tracing. Um, mate, we'll the, do. <laughs> the opportunity that you've got to work with underground mines, though, is quite phenomenal because limited connectivity underground has been a big hindrance over the years and, you know, it probably goes back to having the canaries that a lot of people used to take underground when, when the air started to get a little bit thinner and you yep. weren't able to breathe. People had canaries and the canaries obviously went wherever they went. But uh, when it comes to the ability for mine companies now and mining industries and, and, and contractors to know exactly what their staff are up to, whether it's the GPS in the car that tracks their speed or their actual location underground, it's enormous. And do, are you starting to realise that mining companies have got a lot more potential in this space that they probably don't even realise? Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, we're only scratching the surface because for us to really start working with uh, miners... We are going with the health and safety angle because it's very easy to understood, sure. to understand, sorry, and it's um, it's an immediate application. But what if tomorrow morning you know exactly where the tons of uh, minerals or, or, or whatever you're digging uh, is going back, where it's stocked, how you can maximize that? What's yeah the pay the payload coming back up uh, in real time? You can actually make decisions in real time. The problem right now is that the OEMs and other machine um, providers or manufacturers, they don't really want to give you the data until two, three days later. So it's too late for you to make decisions. Sure. And you're talking about real-time real, stuff. Real, real-time. Yeah. So you're able to find out just exactly what's in that truck. So, for instance, when it comes to data now, there's so much of it around that it's almost an overload that you need 20 data people versus for yeah. one truck driver, right? <laughs> so... 
the there's so much data, so you know how much payload's in the truck, you know, which driver is in the truck, you know, yep. what they're doing, what their heart rate is potentially doing as yes. well. So if they're in a medical episode underground, yep. you've got that data as well. You know, almost where they've tracked themselves throughout the day, potentially how much fluid they've got, all of these sort of stuff that just goes into one central database. You see the mine of the future... And we can go down that the robotics and all that sort of stuff in a different way. But do you see the mind of the future being a very switched-on industry and a very switched-on operation that is so heavily monitored that we almost know what's going to happen before it's going to happen? Yeah, true. And and one of one of the issues historically is that to do all the things you've just talked about, you need you needed 10, 20 different pieces of software. Yeah. Because we're not software, we're tech. We're simply pushing that into your Power BI, your Tableau, mm. whatever business intelligence tools you've got as a miner. And that's emerging and growing very quickly within their uh, operations anywhere right now. We're actually giving them that ability to make these decisions Straight away. Instantly, straight away. So they can divert that truck if there's something that needs to happen. They can move it into a, yeah. a, a side track. Unbelievable. Um, I want to talk about how we talk about how great the product is, but is there things like a rockfall? Or we go back to Modesto Varachetti, who was trapped underground mm-hmm. uh, at Bonnie Vale, 1907, where water got in the way. You know, he, he, there was, he got trapped in an air pocket. And we've seen that happen from time to time on other different occasions. But yeah. c- can that affect your signal? And would there be... For instance, if there is a rockfall underground and you've got uh, some workers who are on the other side of the rockfall, and I, know, I don't really want to talk about it, but it's obviously a reality and that's, it's part of the safety, but would there be ways that you would never know that they were there? Not really, uh, which is good, yeah. uh, because we are pinging the location every 20 seconds okay. or so. So we would know the last known location, the past 20 seconds, we can obviously uh, change that. It can be every f- every five seconds. Um, if the system still works after the event, then we know at one to two meters accuracy max where the person still is. So you don't have to waste hours trying to understand or interrogate people to know where that person is right now. You know straight away. So you dispatch the team right now uh, to go and help. Um, if there was not no signal anymore because the smartwatch the person's wearing or the phone, the tablet, whatever is carrying doesn't work anymore, we actually know that uh, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't emit anymore. So we go back to the last known location and intervene. So you, in from a safety point of view and from when the mine emergency response team want to get to where they need to get to, they know where they need to get to to find whoever is not accountable. True. That saves a lot of time. Yeah, a lot of a lot of time, and obviously there's a lot nice. of safety involved in that too. Matt, I want to talk a bit more about how you are working on a world first, because this is pretty extraordinary in terms of what goes on in the underground sort of space. But you've been doing some trials. Can you give us some details? We won't talk about the mine in particular, but give us some details of what you're up to with your teams there. Yeah, so. Um We've worked on that underground solution, worked on many different things that I'm going to talk about later for the past seven, eight years. The underground solution for the past two, three years. And uh, we're just starting commercializing it now uh, after running a few more trials here in the gold fields two months ago. Um, And that's well first in the sense that Nowhere uh, on earth in history uh, anyone's been able to deploy a cable-free wireless network uh, using Bluetooth. Um, And 
have all these incredible features around accuracy of location, not smashing the battery, and uh, not interrupting operations. Because something that I haven't said is, you actually go in there, and um, so one of the trials we did a couple of months ago, we went in there uh, near Kimbalda, and we uh, we actually mapped. I think it was around two kilometers worth of tunnel within barely over two hours without interrupting operations. So the guys just kept on running the jumbos and and so on. We were just on the side, you know, communicating on the radio, making sure that we didn't get smashed in the tunnel. Uh, but yeah, two hours later, uh, the mesh network, as we call it, was up and we could see trucks and utes and people go through the network. Unbelievable. That's how quick it is to just map things out. Unbelievable. How do you do that? Is there a camera that you just take, like a Google Earth camera that you go underground and it just sort of maps it out? Or So, yeah, good question. We, uh, we uh, Beforehand, the only thing we need is a map of the tunnel, the underground sure. uh, tunnel. And we digitalize that. doesn't take much time. And we note precisely where we put uh, what we call our nodes, green boxes. And that's it. Then they connect together like this unbelievable now tell us a little bit about this product you've got it here for us today it comes in a nice little white box yeah Uh, I don't know if you're going to pick that up on video you might have to hold it up just a little bit there it is and then show us what's inside this GMOB box because this is almost like getting a new product and you're so excited to see it looks like a watch box it is a watch box. It it's fit. actually a watches box a watches box there are a few things in there okay Um, Look, look your hotel room key's in there is that, is that it? <laughs> no, it's, not. it's actually something that's already deployed um, uh, in Northwest yeah. uh, Western Australia. So um, some of the guys, if if they can, uh, would wear a smartwatch. Yep. Or we've got different types, okay. different sizes. Also depending on what you want to do. So this one, for instance, is deployed in Chile, South America. Yep. Uh, we've got a mine site on altitude and it measures blood oxygenation wow. and fatigue uh, on sites. Um, this one is a bit more robust. Uh, we tend to give it to uh, uh, the bigger guys that are you know, maybe not paying too much attention to Shot things. Shot firers. <laughs> Um, have you seen any? Oh, <laughs> oh, look, I don't want to name names, Matt. Just don't put me in that terrible position. Uh, but we'd use that. And otherwise, so we tend to give that to managers, supervisors. Otherwise, we give this type of cards to uh, the rest of the workforce. Sure. Um, and it's basically picked up by readers or by the watches or the phones themselves or yep. tablets. Depending on what the application is, I suppose. If you've got one of the watches on, you're going to get a lot more data than what you would with the yes. card. The card is probably just a location-based. Exactly. It's just location-based, ID, and yep. that's pretty much it. Timestamp. Yep. So the time when, when that happened. Yep. This one, it's literally a phone. Without uh, you, you can actually call two cameras. It does everything. What's been some of the feedback from some of the mining companies that you've gone to and, and had this sort of technology in place with? What have they come back to? Have they given you some extra further feedback to give you some bigger ideas with the technology? It's, it's funny because at first it's, oh, no, I don't really need that because I don't understand. And then we, we kick some goals. We, we get one use case uh, done, so just the visualization of people and assets mm-hmm. or... Um, a very specific application around COVID management and then they're like oh but if you've got that it means we can do that and that and that and that 
and all of a sudden you've got kids in front of you that are realizing that with no further setup or capital mm. cost because it's the same setup for everything um, and it's fairly inexpensive you get the whole lot so no it's 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 been brilliant brilliant feedback and having the ability to have all that data what are the companies doing with that data now that they're re- receiving are they obviously interpreting them themselves but are they trying to make differences to their work site at the same time are they they're being fundamental with it yeah they do um they're trying to dispatch work orders straight to the guy using that data. Uh, they are trying to understand uh, delays on site. Okay, so why has it taken so long to perform such a job? Ah, because we didn't have the assets. Okay, so next shutdown, we're going to display or put the asset, organize the assets in a different way. We're going to do that job before that one, and so on and so on. So, um, yeah, they've been able to... Uh, make decisions for the future I also on the spot so, so you're saying also that productivity is being bettered from having this sort of technology in place yeah so we monitor things like average travel time per day uh, another toilet story a real story uh, <laughs> yeah, I love a good toilet story <laughs> it's a shitty story <laughs> um construction sites a couple of years ago uh, we were monitoring travel time uh, per day and uh, from a day to another one, we, we saw that it just exploded massively. Sure. And we tried to understand what, what happened. And uh, yeah, the guys, one of the teams had moved from an area to another one, but they forgot to remove the toilets. So the guys just had to go and sure. do what they had sure. to do and, and do and waste time. Okay, so Next you've got... Day, toilets were moved. A lot more productivity. Exactly. And s- small things like that... Uh, you know, you hear these stories about lost tracks underground, mm. million-dollar tracks lost. Vanishing. And <laughs> Where do they go? <laughs> There's only one way in and one way out. We've lost a truck underground. Exactly. No I'll way. Come. And, uh, yeah, because someone parked it in a place and, you know, the guy was finishing his shift the same day and didn't tell anyone. And <laughs> oh. and then, oh, yeah, where is, where is it? We don't know. What else do we need to know about GMOB before we wrap things up here on the balcony? Um, so we're local so yes we do have clients in South America Africa uh, but we do want our technology to be rolled out in Western Australia first mm-hmm. um, after having some good success in the Pilbara uh, Goldfields um, so Goldfields we want to develop our underground solution to the max here make it uh, benefit a number of organizations and, and people there are also a number of heritage sites and uh, heritage trails here in in the gold fields. Uh, We want to be part of uh, that movement around protecting them. Right. How we do that? Um, Because our solution also works offline, you'd wear, you know, different other tags, including my hotel room (laughs) card. Yeah. And using geofencing and the exact same things I've I've talked about before, you could uh, have some sort of buffer zone so basically, if you're about to enter in a protected area, you're actually getting told on your watch or phone, tablet, that you shouldn't go there. It also reports back to headquarters that uh, around the activities sure. over there, even on animals trespassing. So for, I think for, you know, um, landowners, traditional landowners, that's something that's paramount and very important. And sometimes they don't feel like they've got a voice and I think if we can be the, a technology that's 
closing that gap or help close that gap between mining organizations and local communities. That's one of our, you know, success. It would be one of our successes. What a great thing. Math, thanks very much for joining us. I tell you what, it's, you've been great here on the, bo- on the balcony here on Hannon Street. Oh, there's someone I, giving us I some could, fan I mail. Could, I could you? do that for another couple of hours. Yeah, I know you could. I could <laughs> just stands, I had all these notes and I thought, oh, this might take about 10 minutes or so. We've continued on for about 25. Okay. But it's fantastic, mate. It's a great to see a Western Australian product being pushed out into, into Western Australian mines. Underground mining first, it's massive. It's safety, it's productivity, it's so much more. How do we get hold of you and get some details? So uh, you can call me. You can I give you my number. No, nah, don't do that. But no? put your mobile phone number, which is on probably on your website. But what's your website? Yeah, websites. You go on www.geomobi.com and you go on the contact page. Yep. Contact there or you'll find my mobile phone. Lovely. <laughs> It'll be there. <laughs> uh, very quickly, though, something that we haven't done for a while is a, is a great podcast, which we're very renowned for at the Crib Room, but we also have a burger that we're putting under construction. This is a question without notice, by the way. <laughs> so we're putting one together. The Miners Rest is still on board for this one. We, uh, we haven't featured one on our, our podcast lately, but we've already got beetroot on there. We've got ham, oh, uh, a hamburger patty, plus I think we've got cheese. If you're having a burger, which you look like the sort of bloke that you, yeah. you might have a burger every now and then, yeah. what do you put on it, Nath? I'd put some. Uh, I'd have uh, something French. Come on, Let's yeah. I'd put some truffle. Perfect. But that, that's actually exactly what I have every time I go for a burger. If there is something with some truffle um, sauce on it, oh, I always go for that. Very nice. Something different too for our burger because <laughs> we were getting beetroot and meat all the time, and people go, "Oh, a bit of something else. What about an egg or truffle?" <laughs> How exotic. It's going to be the most exotic miners burger you've ever come up with. Don't worry about that one, mate. You, thanks very much for joining us, mate. I know that you're very passionate about your product and it's great to hear a lot more about it and hopefully this opens up some doors for you and some opportunities, not just in the gold fields, but also across the state and maybe beyond. Thanks, Glenn, for having me and it was a real pleasure. Thanks again, Matt Dow, and great to hear just exactly how data is being used in so many different ways underground and also on the surface. To make sure the next episode is available to you as soon as it drops, make sure you subscribe via the podcast channel that you're tuning in on. The Crib Room Podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com. This is a Crib Room Podcast.